0: you ready um i just put snot on my microphone <laughs> <laughs> so sorry microphone i'm so sorry <laughs> it's like Maybe like it when a kid mind. when a kid comes up to you and hugs you and like wipes their oh, yeah, nose on you like when i taught kindergarten yeah <laughs> just there's just little the snot day streaks on tra- your thighs not tracks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation.
0: That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational and and for entertainment. Mm -hmm. Edutainment, if you will. (laughs) We're just a couple of yahoos with master's degrees and this isn't a professional capacity.
1: So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist.
0: And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) it might be not safe for work you'd probably better listen with headphones hello and welcome to freudian sips the podcast about brains beverages and other bs i'm bonnie and i'm anna and we're here sipsters no one we can are tell here. you otherwise.
1: <laughs>
0: We're here. Those rumors about us not being here, <laughs> all are, you've heard about us not being here, it's wrong. It's a big old lie. <laughs> greatly <It's>, exaggerated. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> rumors of our disappearance <laughs> are greatly exaggerated.
0: Hi, Anna. Hi, Mommy. How are you doing?
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Oh. <laughs> I'm just not having a very good (laughs) week. I sound like Eeyore, don't I? Oh, thanks for asking. No bother. (laughs) No, I'm actually okay right now because we're here. I've got my beautiful daughter across the table from me. We're ready to do an episode of Freudian Sips. I'm living my best life. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your best life? (laughs) You have to raise the bar a little bit. (laughs) I'm looking for joy <laughs> where I can
0: find joy, That Anna. is a very good way to live life. There you go. I'm I'm feeling grateful about <sighs> being able to breathe through my nose. I haven't been able to do that most of the week. Had a um, little bit of a head cold. Not the COVID. You didn't have the COVID. Didn't have the COVIDs, All just right. a head cold. I didn't have the COVIDs either. But like, and I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking with my husband's family about this. How like, I haven't been sick the last time. Two, three years.
1: Because we've been social distancing and, so much. And we've
0: been wearing masks yeah. and we've like we've been taking precautions. So I haven't been sick. So this one really knocks me down, even though it was a pretty low level cold.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's kinda like we've gotten out of the mindset that people just get colds. People and can flus just get sick in the winter. Yeah. yeah.
0: Especially in the winter. Yeah. I've been dealing with a lot of my like clients and stuff who, even if it's not COVID, they're just sick.
1: Yeah. Because that's what happens yeah. when it gets cold and yucky like it's been exactly. in our area, at least. I know it's not like that everywhere, but.
0: It's sure been yucky.
1: It has been yucky, but the sun's shining today where we are, but it's freezing hot out there. <laughs> the sun lulls
0: you into a false yeah. sense of security. You're like, <laughs> you oh, go outside sunshine. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> it is freaking cold out here. That's what I say whenever I go outside. Just absolutely not. No, no, no. <laughs> don't like it yeah it's not easy so any
1: pre-rolls no hey I listened to one of the last episodes we did where like I, I said to you in the beginning is there any pre-roll and you were like no and then you like did the editing Anna thing uh-huh. I love when you do the editing Anna thing it's so cute okay. Sipsters, have you ever heard that it's really cute <laughs> Anna will just come on in her cute little voice <laughs> Just me. And she's like, she could do anything. Sipsters, this is a little scary. That is true. (laughs) Because she could get on there and be like, This is Hey Sipsters,
0: editing out of here. Mom went to the moon. (laughs) Mom's gone. She's on the moon. We had to put
1: mom away. (laughs) On the moon. Because there's no place on earth that could hold her. So we had to send her far, far away. For ours, for our
0: safety, for mom's safety,
1: we had to put her on the moon. Some people get quarantined in their house. Not mom. Not mom.
0: She goes to the moon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so editing Anna's power is a little overwhelming to me. However, I do find it cute when you do that, so I just wanted to... I'm glad
0: you find it cute. It's things that I think of later, like, I know I've done it for, like, trigger
1: warnings and and stuff like that, but... Thanks, editing Anna.
0: Yeah, you're you're welcome.
1: (laughs) From, from me in the future because i will be editing future, this future editing anna this I is podcasting you. anna this
0: is hosting anna editing anna's later she uh-huh. exists in a different time i
1: want to give a shout out to editing anna
0: because <laughs> without her
1: i would sound even dingier than i sound right now sisters she do, edits a lot of my dinginess. I do i go into
0: a audacity and i turn the dinginess down <laughs> I lower the scale on the dinginess meter. (laughs) Because mom
1: has a high dinginess factor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I dinginess resonance in mom. In me too. Man, we sound way stupider than we we, we, uh, end up sounding. Trust me. Okay. So what are we talking about today, mom? A pretty serious
1: topic today. Yeah, this one's big. Sometimes when we talk... We had that kind of thing at the beginning, like, "Oh, this isn't something we're really going to laugh about because <laughs> this is pretty serious." But pretty much all we, of psychology serious, so true. we somehow, do usually end up laughing yeah. anyway. Not like at the topic, but just no. at something that we think is weird and funny. So, sure, yes, a serious topic with lots of information today: schizophrenia. Yeah, it's big. I'm kind of surprised we've waited this long to do schizophrenia.
0: I think it's like with any bigger topics that we wait on, it's just because it seems so weighty. It seems yeah. meaty. There's a lot.
1: It is. It's meaty schizophrenia. It's like a big old burger. <laughs> not vegan. Not vegetarian. B- nope. Straight it's up meaty. cow.
0: <laughs> mad cow what number burger. are we on anyway 97 wow okay
1: 97 we're getting to one we're gonna have to do something big something really big pew, 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 pew. so the thing about schizophrenia ann and i were talking about i mean there's a lot of things but this, let's <laughs> just start, with, let's this start mo- with this first moment is that there are a lot of clinical terms that sound like schizophrenia
0: well, there's a lot of associated disorders. Yes. There's schizoaffective, there's schizotypal, there's schizoid disorder. There's a lot of things that have schiz in there. Exactly. <laughs> we are only today talking about schizophrenia proper. Exactly. I like <laughs> schizophrenia Not that it's proper. proper. <laughs> okay.
1: That's a great way to say it, though. So questions might enter your mind about some of those other things that Anna just listed off very eloquently. And we'll do that in a different day. Sure. We'll have whole other episodes for those babies.
0: Different Anna and Bonnie. We'll do that. <laughs> that's right. Future, not today. Future Anna and Bonnie will have <laughs> it's to It's a deal problem with that. for future Anna and Bonnie. <laughs> that is how I get through so much of my day. <laughs> just, just say that. This a- is a problem for future Anna. Right now, Anna's not going to deal with it. right.
1: I think that's actually a healthy thing to do.
0: Yeah. I kind of tell my clients
1: to do that a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. when something's too overwhelming.
0: Well, because especially anxiety can do that where it's like, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and I have to take care of this and I have to take care of this. And it's like, not, not right today. now. I don't.
1: That's right. It's a positive Scarlet O'Hara moment when you say, I will worry about that tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Frankly, anxiety, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So schizophrenia. Yeah. Where are we starting? Well, I think that just kind of that note about being careful about how we use the word schizophrenia, because I think that in our society, we sometimes use the word incorrectly or we use it too liberally. Mm-hmm.
0: We've talked about that with other things. We've talked about yeah. that with OCD. We've talked about that with bipolar. There are a lot of disorders that have kind of been taken into the public consciousness and twisted a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. One of the things that happens is that sometimes
1: when you hear the word used like someone somewhere in the universe... (laughs) We'll, we'll use <laughs> someone the, word has used the word schizophrenia uh, referring to like multiple personalities. Really? Like there were several places where I saw that sometimes people say schizophrenic because someone has dual personality or multiple personality. Yeah, those are
0: totally different. Totally things. different.
1: However, the word schizophrenia actually means a split mind. Interesting. A split mind. And so maybe that's where that confusion has come from for some people through the years, a split yeah. mind. But it's a completely different yeah, thing than having Split different
0: than if you wouldn't hear more about dissociative identity disorder, episode 91. You go, girl. But that is not this. Right. And we're going to talk in
1: depth about what this actually is. I was telling Anna that when, when I was doing my deep dive stuff, one of the things that I found was because people get confused about the term schizophrenia, that some people, we don't know who, somebody out there in the <laughs> Someone, internet world- Someday. Is now referring to schizophrenia as attunement disorder. Okay but i didn't have any like real facts about that it just it came up, it came up several times though actually oh did it yeah
0: attainment disorder i've literally never heard that so I, i'm never on the internet though so that's oh, a fact yeah, I, about I, me yeah, i've I never gone that. on the internet i know that about you
1: right uh-huh, <laughs> no in the uh-huh. dsm
0: it's still listed as schizophrenia so right. i'm going to call it that until
1: we have a new dsm <laughs> right and there's there's no big important person saying hey let's change this No. So. Um, until God Himself until comes God down says, and tells me, "Anna, call it a <laughs> disorder." I'll be like, "All right, dude." <laughs> so one of the things that we talked about um, before we decided to do this particular episode was that schizophrenia is often misrepresented. <laughs> Hello Kitty. <laughs> misrepresented in the media and especially like in movies. Yeah. So one of the things that I did was I was kind of looking into how is it misrepresented? And I came across this kind of cool research paper by someone named Nikita DeMare. The cool name, name of the I know. She sounds like she should be a model or movie star, but she's actually a researcher. <laughs> DeMare. And she wrote a paper, did a research project, wrote a paper called Exaggerations and Stereotypes of Schizophrenia in Contemporary Films. Okay, awesome. Go, girl. Yeah. And so she analyzed 10 different movies, like relatively recent movies. So I'm going to just kind of list these off. These are all movies that are pretty famous, popular movies that portrayed or tried to portray or implied they were portraying Mm -hmm. schizophrenia. So The Soloist. From 2001. A Beautiful Adrian Mind. Adrian
0: Brody, I want to say? I think so. A Beautiful, a Beautiful Mind, Mind is one that's one. like
1: always comes up. That's 2001. Clean Shaven. I had never heard of that one, mm-hmm. but that's from 1993. Shine. Okay. From 96. Shutter Island. Oh. Scary as crap. Very good movie. Very good movie. If you've, 2010. you've never This one I had not heard of. A Caveman's Valentine. That's from 2001. Okay. This one is a movie I actually really liked. Benny and June.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 From 93.
1: With Depp, I think. Uh-huh, Johnny Depp. Ooh, this is a really old one. The Snake Pit from 1948. 48? I would kind of like to look that one up. Pie from 1998 and The Visit, which is from 2015. Okay. So many of those I've never heard of. Yeah. I think Shutter Island's the only one I've at least seen recently. But all of those films basically had what they were portraying as a person with schizophrenia as the protagonist in the movie, okay? And so those are the the movies that this particular researcher kind of took those and did research into Analyzed how it portrayed it. So she came up with kind of three main ideas, and that is that within movies, and often media in general... People who suffer from schizophrenia are often portrayed as being very violent. Dangerous. Yeah. That's like the big thing. And she went on in her paper to talk about how generally people have kind of this feeling or understanding that people with schizophrenia are very unpredictable and they're probably going to be violent. Mm -hmm. And that's really pretty unfair.
0: Yeah. Which uh, schizophrenia, I think, probably is one of the main or I guess a prominent one that is portrayed that way. But that is is one of the huge pieces of the puzzle and the stigma of mental illness is a lot of mental illnesses are portrayed as if you are struggling with this, you are more viol- violent violent nice. or volatile or whatever. Exactly. And so she states a whole bunch of research that proves or that
1: shows that in actuality, most people with schizophrenia are really not dangerous, not violent. And in actuality, they're much more likely to be a victim of a crime yeah. than to be the person who's a perpetrator of a right. crime. So, so that was w- one of the main things that she said happens. The other thing is that often we portray this as these people have tremendous intellectual abilities, which the research shows that... Yes, many
0: people – what am I trying to say? People who have schizophrenia. Okay.
1: <laughs> they, they do have – This is a thing
0: we've talked about. So we talked about this in like grad school where mm-hmm. it has you know. apparently fallen out of favor to say like a schizophrenic person right. or an autistic person that to use like person first language and like a person with schizophrenia. So if we ever <laughs> sound like we don't know how to refer to we're it. We're trying to be we're politically We're trying correct.
1: to be empathetic about it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. So it is true that there are many people who have schizophrenia who are actually very intelligent people. However, um, the research kind of shows that many people who are struggling with the negative aspects of that, they don't have the discipline or the focus to actually execute right. their gifted traits. Yeah. So they may have this great deal of intelligence, but you don't see it because there's so much else going on. Which I think is what a beautiful mind is like totally about, right? right? Exactly. And the last thing that she points out in her research specifically is that the film's often portray that it's kind of like if a person with schizophrenia falls in love with the right person
0: <laughs> oh they fixes your yeah, schizophrenia exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly it can be basically cured by being with the right empathetic loving helper sure and,
0: just and, like in silver linings playbook bipolar gets cured with love uh, there you go see there's that, that is getting yeah. cured with love is it the worst
1: trope <laughs> Exactly. So even though it is true that it's important, it is helpful for a person with schizophrenia to have a good support system. Of it's helpful and, for anyone. And, and that's a good one of the reasons system. why they suggest like family therapy, which we'll talk about later. You you have to do the other things too yeah. to work through this. And 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 a huge big thing, which we'll talk about later, is is the use of medication right. when you talk about schizophrenia. So so love is a drug, but it's not the drug <laughs> it's that's gonna, it's gonna not the cure one that's gonna fix your
0: brain chemistry. So
1: just kind of have that in the back. Your mind that maybe when you hear the word schizophrenia, you automatically think of some of those characters that you've seen in movies or you know, these very violent characters, and that that is probably not really yeah, the reality they're, they're of usually schizophrenia. Not
0: nuanced portrayals, exactly.
1: And so, then, just real quick before we actually get into the meat and potatoes <laughs> of what schizophrenia is, a couple of quick notes about how prevalent it is in the whole world. As a whole, schizophrenia affects about 24 million people, which is about one in 300. Okay. That's worldwide. But in the United States, it's 1%. It's a little less than 1% at this point. So the higher last, than world average. Right. So we have... But there are <laughs> countries that are much higher than us. Sure. But worldwide. So I, we're not winners. We're, we're not we're the not, winning. We're not
0: winning at yeah, schizophrenia.
1: No, no, not so much. No. And statistically speaking, and this is really we, Anne and I were talking about how you you find some research that says one thing, and then you and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Where when you're doing research, especially in psychology, well, I shouldn't say especially, but definitely in psychology, you have we, these, we
0: think that because that's all we research. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't
1: gonna look at <laughs> that's any kind all of like ever. Look so, at. <laughs> yeah. Physics might have it too, but yeah. it ain't my that, business. But I don't know that. <laughs> So keep so that not exist, out, Mr. Physics. <laughs> we have object permanence <laughs> issues exactly about research. Right. Hey, if it's not within my vision, <laughs> don't know. I don't, don't know, know about, anything it. about it. But one of the things that you kind of find contradictions about is that it, it does seem that it is more common for men than women. However, that information could be skewed because men tend to be diagnosed earlier for men, they often have onset in their late teens to early twenties. For women, the onset is usually late twenties to early thirties, and so it might just look like more men than women yeah. in that in that reason, and also because with earlier onset, sometimes there are more serious repercussions. So I
0: don't know some of the movies that you mentioned, but of the ones that I do know, it's all dudes. Yeah, like Shutter Island, Soloist, Beautiful, Beautiful Mind. Mind, right? Yeah. There used to be
1: that show – I mean, it was a show on TV about a man who had schizophrenia. He's a guy who used to be on Will and Grace. Really? I'm pretty sure it was schizophrenia. Just Jack and he says he schizophrenia. <laughs> no, the other guy. <laughs> the Will. The Will, Will character. Yeah. Was, he had his own show where he was like a professor at a college, but he had schizophrenia and he oh, would okay. have these you know people talking to him and mm-hmm. stuff, but he was a man too. So there is some argument about that. It's uncommon for schizophrenia to be diagnosed any younger than 12 or older than 40. Interesting. Okay, there's kind of a window there. 12 to 40. Some risk factors, because we always kind of set it up like that. You know, what are our risk factors for having schizophrenia? The biggest one seems to be family history, genetic. Yeah, genetic predisposition. Exactly. Predisposition. It's It's a hard word. I know. And actually, the research that I was reading said that schizophrenia has a stronger genetic link than any other mental illness. Mm, um, if rough. you have a relative who has schizophrenia, you're 10 times more likely wow. than if you don't have a relative. Wow! Um, in an identical twins, it's at least 40% chance if one has it, the other one will have it. And yes. it's actually closer to 50%, but they said they're capping it at 40. Right. So besides just specific genetic predisposition the, these are kind of strange but i'm going to read what they say are risk factors if your father is much older in age when you're conceived huh. there's a higher risk factor. isn't that strange
0: something to do with the little spermies they what's get wrong, wrong with the aged little spermies? <laughs> i guess they got old out. spermies they have Make schizophrenia, schizophrenia.
1: <laughs> autoimmune system abnormalities okay as a precursor some i mean you know like there's a correlation yeah, yeah in, in yeah, yeah. studies drug abuse during adolescence and early adulthood Complications during pregnancy or birth. And, I, and there's something, there wasn't something else we talked
0: about that was like
1: that, that sometimes complications.
0: Well, it can affect the, the way brain. the brain develops. Right, right. The way the brain
1: structure itself looks. Right. And so then, like, under a different list is environmental risk uh, factors. And under that as well, they put pregnancy and birth. But they also put childhood trauma because childhood trauma is. <laughs> always there yeah i mean it's part of like every kind of mental illness that you well run across. and then
0: unfortunately you have the where's the line between like okay is that predisposition if you're growing up with a parent who has this i mean that's going to be childhood trauma too if In you're itself. watching a parent struggle exactly with it. right so i mean where is the line where like how much of it is hereditary versus like the nature nurtures right um, they also list migration, which I think is interesting,
1: social isolation, and urbanicity, which Anne and I were joking about. If you Living live in, in a, a big city. city, you're more likely. But we talked about before we started that the bottom line here for risk factors is it's a genetic brain thing Yeah, that then is when you have these environmental factors, it brings it on. Right. Uh, it, it brings it Yeah, it wakes it up. It,
0: it's kind of like a sleeper agent. It's that's like, a good way to put it's it. It's like it lives in your brain and it gets triggered at some point. It's not like you will develop schizophrenia from right. these things later in life. You have schizophrenia in your brain, unfortunately, if you do have it. Uh-huh. It's and going to something get something exacerbates it. Yeah. Something wakes it up. So that's why, it. like, living in a <laughs> – <laughs> it tickles, in. It, tickles the, it. The living in a big city, I think, makes sense because that's just a more chaotic environment. It's Very louder. Stressful. It's All yeah. Right. It's it's stressful. So I think that just more stress, it's more likely to trigger it. Right. That's a good
1: point. And there was a big, a big, huge section in one of the things I read about how the use of marijuana
0: <laughs>
1: can trigger not only schizophrenia but other psychosis. So again, it's got to be in your brain first, right? It's got to be there, and then just like smoking a bunch of weed, dude, right. is probably maybe on uh, If you could have one too many dubs. That. just one too many dubs could just, trigger you right off the yeah. edge. If you do so a count single your do a
0: single marijuana,
1: <laughs> could wake it up. It just takes one single <laughs> devil's lettuce <laughs> to tickle the tickle psychotic the schizophrenia nerves. Okay, tickle the psychosis. Tickle it. So, okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna shut tickling. up now, cause I have been talking a lot and I want you to talk to us now, Anna. <laughs> Okay. Please, Anna, share your wisdom with oh, us. Oh, gee,
0: okay. No, I don't think I'll do that, but I will talk. <laughs> so we've talked about what it's not. Right. We've talked about what can make it occur in your brain. Let's talk about what it actually is and what it actually does look like. In the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Psychology, schizophrenia is actually in a group called the schizophrenia spectrum. That includes several what are called psychotic disorders. Now, psychotic is another one of those Words that has really been thrown around pretty loosey goosey in culture.
1: Yeah, and sometimes people misuse those words like "cross them," like they say "psychotic" in the place of saying "schizophrenia,"
0: right? Which it's a type of psychosis. Right, psychosis is a specific clinical term, and that's how it's being used here. So in the psychotic disorders, again, we're only talking about schizophrenia itself. So let's talk about the criteria, and then we'll break down the symptoms, because a lot of them are kind of hard to understand what it is. So you have to have two or more of the following for a significant portion of time over a one-month period at least, unless it's treated. So you have to have delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, disorganized or catatonic behavior and negative symptoms and again we'll talk about those in a second so pin in that it has to affect like any disorder that we are able to diagnose it has to affect the level of functioning in several major areas so it work it's going to affect your interpersonal relationship it's going to affect your self-care like how you actually take care of yourself It has to to negatively affect affect this. And we
1: talk about there every time we talk about a diagnosis that that's like the the key point in the DSM, that it has to affect your life.
0: Right. It has to be causing a negative impact. Right. The signs of the disorder have to be there for at least six months before it can be diagnosed, including at least, like I said, one month where the symptoms are, are met. And then we need to make sure that the symptoms aren't part of another disorder. So it could be something like the other ones we mentioned, like schizoaffective or something. It could be bipolar. Even there's a, a depressive disorder with psychotic features. Uh-huh. Um, So there could, that could be part of that where it's not necessarily, and like you said, substance abuse that could cause it. So... Right. We have to rule out those other things. And again, like many disorders in the DSM, that is a criteria. Like you have to make sure it's not part of something else before right. you give them especially a serious disorder like schizophrenia. Exactly. Like we as clinicians want to be very careful that we don't saddle someone With something like this, unless we know for sure. Right. And then there's specifiers that talk about, like, you know, is this the first episode? Are there multiple episodes? How severe is it? So, again, we can kind of make it a little more specific to to better help treatment, basically. So let's go back to the symptoms. Let's talk about what those symptoms are and what they look like. So delusions are false beliefs that are not based in reality, and they don't change even when the person is given conflicting evidence. Mm -hmm. So even, like, if you're dealing with someone with a delusion, you can give them as many logical pieces of evidence and rationale as you want. It's probably not going to break the delusion. Right. Unfortunately. But delusions, especially in schizophrenia, have several common themes. So they could be persecutory, and that means that they think someone's going to harm them. going to get me. Yep, they're going to harass them. And this could be an individual or a group or an organization. So it could be like conspiracy theory kind of level, basically. Uh It could be referential. This is when I have a... A hard time kind of understanding a referential delusion is when the person believes that certain gestures or comments or environmental cues are directed at them so i, I think it's kind of it's it's paranoia, paranoia basically yeah, it's yeah. Paranoia
1: again yeah I agree.
0: A lot of these are, are seem paranoid. paranoid. Yes. Yeah. There's grandiosity, which is the belief that they have exceptional abilities or exceptional wealth or fame. So thinking that they are better than they are. Which can be a part of other yeah.
1: personality. Yeah, we've
0: talked like about like narcissistic personality yeah. disorder and stuff. The grandiosity, grandiosity is a big is part big. of that. Yeah. It could be aromantic, which is a belief that someone is in love with them. It could be nihilistic, which is a belief that a major catastrophe is going to occur. And I think some of these can overlap. Right. I mean, if they have the like persecutory delusions, it could go with the like, there's going to be a big thing that's going to happen. There's somatic, which is a preoccupation with your health or your organ function or stuff like that. And then, so those are kind of the types of delusions. And then there's like, I don't want to call it like a specifier, but... A bizarre delusion is a specific type of delusion too, which is strange. That's actually strange the name as a of clinical it. Term. Yeah, bizarre. Um, bizarre delusions are beyond the realm of possibility. Totally like, messed like up. Like that, I went to the moon for quarantine. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a bizarre delusion. If I say that, I'm having a bizarre delusion. <laughs> Like if I believe that I am having <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> the actual belief. Yeah. A bizarre delusion, for example, would be a belief that the person's organs have been taken out and replaced. Mm. There's Something no that's way totally that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they truly, fully believe it. Right. It usually involves a lack of control over self and over thoughts. So, like, they might believe that their thoughts are being removed from their mind or that the thoughts are being put in by external forces.
1: That's why we wear our tin hats. That's our tinfoil hat. Tin foil. Thing. Yes. Yeah.
0: Or that the external force is manipulating them to do certain things. And honestly, this is so sad. Because to me, that is just a way to, like, Try to take a little more control over your disorder in saying, like, my thoughts and my actions are not doing what I want them to do. So maybe someone else is controlling them. Mm. Like, I think it's a way to try to conceptualize to make it not as scary. Mm. Because it does come back to that control, which, I mean, when you're struggling with schizophrenia, a lot of that is you don't have control over your actions. You don't have control over your thoughts. You don't even have control over, like, the stimuli you're getting. I Mm -hmm. mean, there's a lot that's out of control in schizophrenia. So that's really sad. And out of control is a
1: terrible feeling.
0: Yep. So then like a non-bizarre delusion would be like, the police are watching me. That's strange, but it could happen. Right. You know, it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. So those are delusions. And then hallucinations, I think, and and I think delusions and hallucinations are the ones that people mostly know Mm -hmm. when we talk about like schizophrenia that's what they
1: picture when they think of somebody who has yeah right and
0: especially hallucinations hallucinations
1: yeah yeah you see somebody who's not there you right
0: and that is exactly what it is it's a perception-like experience that happens without the external stimulus to go with it so it's seeing things that aren't there hearing things that aren't there But it's very clear to the person experiencing them. It feels real to the person. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we have to remember when we're working with someone that has schizophrenia is it is real to them. And it's scary. Right. Right. They can occur in any sense. Auditory are the most common, and those are usually voices. A Stanford anthropologist named Tanya Lerman found that voice hearing experiences of people with serious psychotic disorders are shaped by their local culture. So in the United States, the voices are harsh, they're threatening, but in places like Africa and India, they're more benign and playful. Huh. The Is that culture a sp- around
1: spirituality you? thing? Like they think that the voices are friendly I don't know. spirits or... That's interesting. Or is it like
0: media-based?
1: Like, is it... That's, yeah, that, that's what we've been taught. When you hear a voice, it's going to be somebody telling you to kill somebody. Or, right. It's going to yeah. be scary. Yeah. That's so, a good point.
0: So I think mm. that could be part of it. But yeah, it does, it does kind of depend on how we grow up and how we conceptualize that. And mm. which is sad. Again, sad. Sad. It keeps coming back. Sad. Sad. This is not, by the way, like hallucinations that are like while you're falling asleep or waking up. Like those hypnagogic, hypnopompic. <laughs>
1: That's a real That's word. That's easy for you to say, baby. real word. I'm glad you said it because I hip- would
0: not have been able hypnagogic.
1: to. Hypnagogic.
0: Hypnagogic is when you're falling asleep.
1: Hypnopompic hypnagogic. is when you're it's waking up. It's like stalagmites and stalactites. <laughs> sure, just like
0: that. Yeah, except for in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> and that is pointy. That is, maybe. Depends on your bed, I guess. But those and, – and we were talking about this before, too, that I, I've been reading more lately about how, like, especially auditory hallucinations are more common in general, not just in schizophrenia, but in mm-hmm. general. Like, our brain's wires get crossed sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like if you ever have an auditory hallucination, you have schizophrenia. That's you know not what it. I was thinking
1: about that, too, Anne, is that in our world today, we have so much stimuli yeah, going man. on all the time. There's always – Somebody's talking all the time, or or music, or sound. There's or a always, <laughs> yeah. There's always noise all the time. So I I kind of think sometimes our brain just doesn't know how to stop hearing I it. You know, it, yeah. It's, it's a, like oh my yeah. gosh. So maybe that's one of the reasons it's so common.
0: Could be. And so yeah, again, it's it's not like if that's a thing you've ever experienced, like oh god, you have schizophrenia. Right. Exactly. The next one is disorganized thinking or speech. Which um, I feel like I have normally. So yeah, it's not <laughs> just not how everyone's brains work, um, especially during a pandemic. <laughs>
1: We're all a little disorganized. But this is much more serious.
0: It is much more serious. And it does make it really hard to communicate with a person who has schizophrenia. So it could be that like they switch from one topic to another really fast. And we call that derailment or loose association. So it kind of, again, loose association, it could be kind of related.
1: Mm -hmm. In their brain somehow. Right. And so
0: they'll hop to it and it makes sense to them, but you're kind of struggling to follow. Mm -hmm. The answers in the comments, they give might be unrelated to the topic and that's called tangential which is kind of again like kind of loosely related. Rarely it might be so disorganized that it's like impossible to comprehend and we call that word salad which is a funny name for not a funny thing. I know. It's like it literally like, like n- toss not, salad. That's yeah, why it, like, is. it doesn't
1: sound like an actual clinical word. <laughs>
0: oh, no, it's dope. but that's in the DSM. <laughs> what are we going to call this?
1: What are we going to call this? Let's what call it word salad. salad. But it, it was late at night when they did that. Probably part the- <laughs> they're like, I don't know what
0: to call this.
1: <laughs> we'll think of a better word later.
0: And then it just got through. And they, they like flagged it. it in all the drafts. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it. <laughs> whatever. But it, it really like they are not making any sense at this point. Mm-hmm. Very hard to follow. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that intense. It, it could be milder and that could make it harder to spot. But it's going to impair communication. It's going to make it tough. It might be especially tough to notice in people who have different linguistic backgrounds where there's already like a language barrier. That's a really good point. That's one of those times where you might have to bring in someone who, like a translator, who will be better able to to say like that's not making much sense or anything like that. So that's disorganized thinking and speech. And then there's disorganized or catatonic behavior. Disorganized behavior mainly means motor function. So like the way they move might be a little strange. It might kind of appear like childish silliness or it could be like unpredictable agitation is the other side of that Mm. their behavior isn't going to be really goal focused it's going to be hard for them to complete tasks and it could include resistance to instructions inappropriate or like strange posture completely not responding or if they're moving in a way that seems excessive or they're not moving for a purpose it's just movement that might be in the disorganized behavior category and then the negative symptoms. And this one, I think people might have a struggle understanding what that is. So a negative symptom is when there's a reduced or lack of something. So
1: those things you already talked about are called mm-hmm. positive, positive symptoms. symptoms. Like something you see that people don't normally do. Yeah. Positive
0: means it's added. It's right, extra. Right. You know, neurotypical people are not going to have... Excessive movements and, or right, hallucinations. Right. Okay. So those are positive because it's been added to the environment. Negative symptoms are when something is gone. Something is missing. usually there. Right, right. And that's just like when we talk about like experimentation or like positive and negative punishment. That doesn't mean good or bad. Right. It means positive, you're adding something to the environment. Negative, you're, you're taking, taking something it away. away.
1: Uh-huh. Um, that's a really good reference. Thanks. Thank good job. Thank you. <laughs>
0: And this could mean, like, neglecting personal hygiene, it could mean lacking emotion, which could look like not making eye contact or speaking in a monotone, it might also be losing interest in everyday things, withdrawing socially inability to experience pleasure and and those are hard too because like that's depression that sounds as like
1: depression yeah. What you just described so i think that's the trickiest part about diagnosing is that so many things are overlapping are like oh yeah that's that's the same in this and this and this right the flat affect and the way they react the way they respond to people is a pretty mm-hmm. significant negative right thing that you can notice a lot
0: and i didn't read much about like because it seems like it would be hard to have some of these things happening at the same time. Like, it seems like it would be difficult to have, like, the negative symptom of, like, a flat affect and have, and like... be moving a lot. And or be moving be... a lot or, like, the the, the word salad same. thing. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it would be hard. Although I guess that would just be easy to spot. I guess so. Or it happens at different times. Oh, that could be. Yeah, because it's just, it's like in a month you have to experience right. these symptoms. Right. So, that's true. There's also subtypes of schizophrenia. So these aren't actually separate disorders anymore. They were at one time that they would have like the subtypes of schizophrenia. And that's where like you've probably heard like paranoid schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably a term you used heard. in yeah, that's used in media and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it is the most common subtype, so it, it's kind of still used in like the nomenclature. Basically. That was exactly the word I was thinking. Nomenclature. Of. I like sent it
1: to your brain.
0: You did. I I see. I don't know many it. of those fancy words, I received but it I my had brain of antennas. That. <laughs> you sent it from the moon. <laughs> I did, and I received it on my brain antenna. So paranoid is going to be the most common, and like we talked about, what that's going to look like is, you know, the belief that they're being persecuted, the belief that someone's after them, uh, the belief that things are aimed at them when it's not, very much stuff like that. There's also hebephrenic or disorganized subtype, and that means there's no hallucination or delusions, but there's going to be disordered behavior, disordered thinking, disordered speech, So again, like they kind of just go with like what types of symptoms they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. I don't really see the point in having the subtypes. I think it's okay that the subtypes were taken away, Mm -hmm. but I guess it can be helpful if there is a specific bent toward one type of symptom to know what you're treating, I guess. There's undifferentiated, which basically means the opposite of paranoid or disorganized where it's It doesn't really go toward a certain symptom. There's residual, and that means when it's lessened, either through treatment or or when they're just kind of like in a stage where they're not having as many symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then there's catatonic, which is usually just immobile, like they're not moving. But it could also mean mutism, or they're just kind of in a stupor or daze, or it could even be like mimicking behavior. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah.
1: But I do remember way back in undergrad seeing some of those videos of catatonic patients that were so catatonic that they would just sit there and the orderlies or whoever were dealing with them could like lift their arms and their arms would just stay there where they lifted (sighs) them. And then they would put their arms down and that, you know, that is that they were so truly terrifying. It is. That's very scary. You know, we just keep referring to different mental illnesses being on spectrums. Mm -hmm. And schizophrenia is definitely a spectrum. Totally. Even just
0: the severity of it. Exactly. I mean, that is extremely severe. Extremely, yeah. They are in like an institution because they need that type of care. Exactly. But that's not the majority of people who are struggling with schizophrenia. No. No, not at all. That's very rare. Can I tell you about some brain stuff? Brain stuff? We haven't had brain stuff for a while. It has been a little while. Let's do some
1: brain stuff.
0: So, So the brain stuff, when it comes to schizophrenia, let's start with the chemistry, the brain chemistry. So scientists believe that people with schizophrenia have an imbalance of brain chemicals or neurotransmitters, which... Again, we we always talk about uh, all disorders have some kind of imbalance, (laughs) and and actually the interesting thing about schizophrenia. So when we talk about like depression and stuff, we talk Mm -hmm. about that our serotonin doesn't get. (laughs) It was said reuptake. Yeah, doesn't (laughs) uptake very well. Doesn't get uptake. Yeah, but so it's it's a it's a lack of serotonin that's causing that in schizophrenia. (gasps) It is an overabundance of these chemicals that's causing that. So all the all the serotonin's are uptaking. Serotonin <laughs> is one of them. Too many uptakes. <laughs> uh, dopamine's another one, though. Uh-huh. Um, glutamate is one. And again, this goes back to how a person is reacting to stimuli. So an imbalance of these chemicals is going to explain why a person with schizophrenia is going to be overwhelmed by sensory information. And that's probably another reason why that's going to be something that could trigger it. So that's that explains why it's going to be really easy for them to get overwhelmed by the sensory stuff and why, like we were talking about being in a busier city, right? There's more stimuli. Right? Urban urban <laughs> urban <urbanacity. laughs> something. But but it could be that other people can handle that more easily. But when the neurotransmitters that help you regulate that are out of balance, you're not gonna be able to to handle that stimuli as well. That's right. It's all about the balance in the brain, baby. Right? Balance in
1: the brain. And
0: just like that, it leads to the hallucinations, the delusions. So it's just a problem with how the brain handles sensory information, basically. Specifically, dopamine is tied to hallucinations and delusions. And I, like I said, they have more dopamine. So those brain parts that, that rely on that become overactive. And that's why it manifests things because it mm-hmm. has an excess of this neurotransmitter that's basically trying to translate stimuli in our brain. Mm -hmm. So our brain's getting an influx of this chemical that is basically saying there's and we've talked about how dopamine is like a reward chemical right so our brain's getting too much of that and going well what am i what am i reacting what am I to right rea- now where yeah. is this coming from so it creates Make a stimuli up. exactly oh. it fills in the blank
1: that's very cool actually I mean, it's, it's really fascinating it's sad
0: but it's very cool it's and it, it's our this brain thing, would do that our it, brains yeah. are cool our brains are cool and we have talked about this before how like uh we talked about this i think in our multiple personality episode, where our brains are doing a thing that is not good, <laughs> not great by like outside standards, but they're doing it to try to protect us and try to explain things. Uh-huh. Exactly. So it's it's a thing that our brain's doing to try to make things better. It's just, it's just kind of misfunctioning. not coming through as right, better. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But thanks for trying, brain. Yeah. It's a thought that counts.
1: <laughs> That's kind of weird. You tried, but A for
0: effort. <laughs> A is also for antipsychotic drugs. (laughs) You will talk about this later, but but antipsychotic drugs manage when there's too much of those chemicals. That's why they work. And we've known this since the 1950s. So in the 50s, there was a drug called phenothiazine? Phenothiazine. If I say it confidently. I was going to say middle, you can't think about it before you say it. Phenothiazine. thiazine. <laughs> and
1: it's that like was. like on a medical show yeah. and you have to say it. <laughs> 10 how, milligrams How would of- Dr. House say
0: this? How would Dr. House say this? <laughs> but it was known for blocking dopamine receptors and it led to a reduction in psychotic symptoms in the people ah, that they used it on. Way back then. Way back in the 50s.
1: That's interesting.
0: Glutamate is another one of the chemicals that is involved. And it's involved in forming memories and helping us learn new things. And it tells parts of the brain which to do. And again, there's too much of it. So the overactivity is the problem. Again, there's your brain is getting this this chemical that's trying to tell it to do things, but there's no outside stimulus to match it. Mm-hmm. So the brain's getting all mixed up. So, those are the chemicals that are involved and the structure of the brain. And this is kind of like what you were saying about how, when people have like trauma in the womb, basically, uh-huh. how mm-hmm. their development could be affected by that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: going to be a big part of this, too, because there's research that suggests that problems with the development of connections and pathways in the brain, especially while in the womb, can later lead to schizophrenia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A study from the coolest named group I've ever heard. <laughs> The group is ENIGMA. Do you want to know what it stands for? Wow. Enhancing Neuroimaging Genetics Through Meta Analysis.
1: Wow. They had to
0: start, that has to be a backronym, right? They started with the word. They started with the word and
1: they had to, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right.
0: They're like, oh, that spells ENIGMA. Wow. What a (laughs) crazy coincidence. But uh, this study from us some really
1: smart people in that group, I, I would think. I think so. If, yeah. if, if you
0: could make your name even that cool. If the name's that cool, you got to be smart. Yeah. They found that individuals with schizophrenia have smaller volume in the hippocampus, the amygdala, the thalamus, the nucleus accumbens. An intercranial space than the controls so the people wow. that don't have schizophrenia and larger pallidium and ventricle volumes, so as just a just a a little refresher on some of those things, so the hippocampus, mom, you like the hippocampus, what's that? hi, <sighs> you can't quiz me today on it. <laughs> I don't know well, that's I know it has something hilarious because it's about memory. memory. <laughs> Yeah, long
1: um, term and short term.
0: And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Memory and learning, the navigation and perception of space, which is really interesting because that—I mean—that is another thing that like hallucinations could, That's true. could mess up. Ooh, um, the amygdala is included in like. Stress, emotion, the fight or flight response or flight. Is, is triggered by the bear, amygdala. I see a bear, I see a bear. Yeah, the amygdala doesn't like that, <laughs> doesn't like when we see bears. Absolutely not.
1: Really important in trauma response.
0: Very much. The amygdala is one of those brain parts that can be physically altered by altered, trauma. yes. Arachnoid. There's spiders in my brain? I was going to say, what? No.
1: Maybe it looks like a spider.
0: Ooh, it's got a little spindly yeah. So yeah those are some of the the brain parts and oh and the age of patients and duration of their illness were also associated with the different structures, especially the larger structures so the the other parts that I talked about like the hippocampus and amygdala were smaller in people with schizophrenia mm-hmm. but those other parts the pallidium and putamen volume are bigger and those might be associated with an effect of the antipsychotics.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things that I read is that that there there's some research that shows that it's not necessarily the way their brain is actually developed, but that it's because they've used the drugs, right. the medication.
0: Now, that's not to say like, oh, that means we shouldn't use antipsychotic drugs for this because on the other side of that, a lack of antipsychotic treatment was related specifically to the smaller hippocampal volume. Ah. And that means that untreated psychosis could damage that, could damage the hippocampus. But imaging tools like MRI and PET scans have shown that people with schizophrenia have uh, less gray matter over time. That and gray again, matter thing,
1: <laughs> gray matter, white
0: matter. I don't know what that we means. We always say it's a very confusing <laughs> matter. Still <laughs> don't get there. it. Yeah. That's one of those things but it's that my brain important to have would the never right to let balance. me understand. Yeah. yeah. the the balance of matter is kind of important in your brain, yeah. whether it's gray or white. And this source talks about Gray matter being the part of the brain that contains nerve cells. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if there's less, and and a lot of the structure, the stuff that I read about was basically talking about like they don't have the same connections that neurotypical people do. Right.
1: So they just that's that's why their thoughts and their word salads
0: happen. Exactly. Yeah. The synapses are not connecting right. in a way that we are able to understand. Basically, which is neurotypical. Yes. Which is neurotypical. Yes. But that's kind of the the down brain dirty stuff. Of Thanks brain for stuff. the brain stuff, Enough. It's been a while. I love when you get brain stuff. It's interesting, isn't it? It is. It helps me understand. Like I, I'm a person who likes the why. Right. So it helps me to be like, okay. So if there's a too happens. much of this chemical, that's why the brain is doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think that. I mean, I haven't dealt specifically with anyone who's struggling with schizophrenia. And honestly, thank goodness, I feel like I would be really scared. I'd be out of my, my Out of my depth, yeah. yeah. But that, that even works for people, like especially trauma, I have found. Like mm-hmm. when I'm working with someone with trauma and I'll be like, okay, your brain experienced trauma, so this is what happened to the brain. And then this is why the brain's doing this. Mm-hmm. It helps them understand like, oh, it's doing this for a reason. It's not just trying to make my life worse. Right, right. So should we shift gears and talk just briefly about how we treat this? Yes, please do that. So I I, I love to talk about treatment because after all this, I feel like it would suck to be like, well, good luck everyone. Sucks to to be you. Sucks to have it.
1: Yeah. The good news is that treatment for schizophrenia has come a long, long way. Just like treatment for all mental health, to be honest. Yeah. We have come a long way. And we are continuing to go forward. There's Mm -hmm. so much research going on for mental health. Anna mentioned the antipsychotic medications that are are very important. Honestly, pretty much anything you read, the, the cornerstone of treatment for schizophrenia is medication. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like without that, you're probably not going to accomplish a lot of wellness.
0: Right. And that's hard. I know for some people, they're like, well, I don't want to rely on a medication. Right. But you're using a medication to get you to the type of brain that other people take for granted.
1: Yeah, we talk about several times about that feeling like that you don't want to be on a medication. And I always, with my clients, I go back to, you know, I don't want to be on blood pressure medicine either. But I know that my body can't do that without medication. And yeah, that means that my body is not typical, you know, but I need that. So sometimes our brains aren't quite typical, and we need a little bit of something to help us with that. So as Anna said, about the antipsychotic medications, they're very important to stay consistent with it. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a huge thing.
0: Not In only all medication. With, I was going to really. say, not
1: only with schizophrenia, but with all mental health. If you are prescribed a medication, it is so so important that you stay consistent with it. What happens with patients and clients sometimes with things like schizophrenia or bipolar is that they're on a medication and they're feeling good. Mm-hmm. And they're feeling and they're like, good oh, for a while. Not yeah. And so then they stop taking their medication because they're feeling good and they think that means they're over it. Mm-hmm. But that is the absolute that's m- real big
0: wrong thing to do. Bipolar is a big one that that happens to. Right, so right. Too. And um, this is also another reason that having a good support system is important because um, honestly, especially when we're dealing with something like schizophrenia, it makes it really hard to do normal everyday things. Exactly. So things like taking medication could be very difficult. So it helps to have that kind of outside accountability for that, to have someone making sure that that's happening, especially at first when they're just getting on the regimen.
1: Right. That's a great thought. Basically, what Anna talked about, that those medications are controlling the symptoms by affecting our brain neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's happening in there. That's why they they help us. Just for the throw a name out, clozapine is one of the most um, used antipsychotic. Unfortunately, antipsychotic medications tend to have pretty severe side effects sometimes. Yeah. But it's getting better. It really is. I mean, there's been so much research. It's getting much better. Um, I mean, but it's it kind of scary.
0: they do a lot to the brain. Right. And when you're changing the brain that much, there's going to be some side effects. Right. So you hear people say things like, well, I don't feel like
1: myself when I take it. Right. Well, that's scary. I, I could certainly empathize with that being scary. But by the same token, you know, if you're not able to function
0: right and if yourself is is not a good version of yourself right if you're not able to keep your job you're not able to keep your relationships you're not you know i guess i'm technically not myself when i'm on antidepressants but i'm the version of me that doesn't want to kill myself so hey you know That works. That's a good way to look at it.
1: Like we have different versions of ourselves. I like that. Yeah, I like that way of saying it. So, as we always talk about, medication is not the only piece of Mm -hmm. of finding your best wellness with schizophrenia. The type of therapy that is most recommended for schizophrenia is cognitive behavioral therapy. We almost always seem to go back to that, don't we? Oh, uh, CBT is so (laughs) so good. good. So (laughs) CBT is so good for everything. Oh, you have to use it for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because if you think about it, like, you know, we always lean back on just basic talk therapy. But when you talk about schizophrenia, unless you're going to process some trauma that's happened that's adding to the schizophrenia or some of the things that have happened because of them dealing with schizophrenia, which talk therapy is never bad. It's always good for everybody. But they need to have some real... Um, specific techniques to use to try to do thought stopping right, and right. try to
0: use positive self-talk and um, and to be- coping for if they are still dealing with the delusions or exactly. the hallucinations to be able to overcome that so there's a it's been i honestly don't know if i've ever seen the entire beautiful mind movie but i do remember one of our professors talking about how like toward the end of the movie once he has kind of managed his illness like a a student like comes up to him or something and starts asking him about something so he like grabs someone else and goes do you see her And they're like, yeah. (laughs) He's like, cool. And then he engages with them. That's a coping, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a coping skill. It's a weird thing that not everyone has to do. But if you have to do it to make your life easier, do it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, So those are those uh, CBT techniques that you would do with your therapist. They often suggest that you have some type of family therapy. And that goes back to what Anna said about the support system. Right. Those people who are not only going to hold you accountable for taking your meds, but the people that you live with, it, it might be good to be in therapy with them so that they understand as well what is schizophrenia doing to my brain and why and these are the reasons i say those things i say to you sometimes
0: so that there's not as much conflict within a family or a relationship it is important it is really important because i think especially when a family has been dealing with it especially for a long time right they get to this place where it's like they're just doing this to hurt me exactly this is a personal attack on me and it's not no And so family therapy is
1: recommended. Also, perhaps social skills training. And that's just, we talked about having difficulty communicating right so and that social skills training to me is is very cbt-ish as well you know and And it's very practical right
0: and especially like even when you're you know let's say a person with schizophrenia comes in and gets medicated and and they can like their thoughts are a little clearer Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they can suddenly communicate well Because they've been dealing with this thing that is a barrier to that. So they haven't developed the skills to do that. That's a really good point. So they're still probably going to need that social skills training. Exactly.
1: And so then the last little footnote here is, is kind of the same with all of us. It's, it does mention that um, schizophrenia sometimes causes us to have trouble sleeping mm-hmm. so that, that you just kind of have to do some practical things to help with your sleep, which kind of goes for all of us. Mm-hmm. Things like getting regular exercise and reducing sugar in your diet and avoiding caffeine, those kind of things are just normal, normal, so to speak typical right. things that we all do, and avoiding alcohol and drugs. And we get back to that idea that with a lot of mental health issues, we have tendencies sometimes to self-medicate with alcohol or, or drugs, right. and it's not going to help In the long run. It might help you in the moment, but it's not going to solve the issue. It's not
0: going to regulate your brain chemicals, my guy. Exactly.
1: You need to have the medication that is designed to regulate your brain chemicals and not just soothe you for a short time. Right. And those kind of things will only lead to
0: other issues. Yeah. So we have to be careful about that.
1: So that's basically what I got,
0: Anna. Well, that's good. So what I'm hearing is that it's treatable. Totally treatable. That's right. Okay. It is. It's one
1: of the biggies. It's scary. And it's like you said, you would never want to haphazardly diagnose someone with yeah. schizophrenia because it, it is a significant issue that, that, that takes some serious therapy and serious medication evaluation. And and so it's it's a biggie. Yep. But
0: like I said before, we've come a long way. Yep. And we're still going further. So there is hope. Yeah, and hopefully the things that they are working on are the things like removing some of those side effects that would, you know, right. kind of just trade one difficulty for another in your life. But but often the side effects are things like weight gain and, and this stuff like that where right. it's it's annoying, but it's not like it's going to limit you in the way that delusions or hallucinations might. Exactly. So kind of trading one for something not as bad. All right. Well, if that's all we got, will you thank the people for listening?
1: I will. Sipsters, we appreciate you so much. You know, our topics kind of go from lighter to heavier. <laughs> to, kind of you bounce. Know. But a big part of it is education. We, we like to take time to remind ourselves of our own education and to maybe help help our sisters learn a little something new today. But we do encourage you, if if anything that we said today kind of triggers a thought like, oh my gosh, I I might need help or someone I love might be dealing with schizophrenia or any other mental health issue we do, as always, we encourage you to reach out. Find a therapist or a counselor in your area and have uh, the courage to take that first step mm-hmm. and get some help.
0: Especially, I mean, like, I know the things that we were talking about, some of these symptoms are very scary. I, mm-hmm. I know I keep kind of using that word, but they are. They're, I mean, like, when you're dealing with someone who is not seemingly connected to reality. That mm-hmm. can seem like a very difficult thing to deal with, so don't try to do right. it alone. Right.
1: So we appreciate you listening, sipsters, and we hope that that you do laugh with us and have fun with us. But we also hope that maybe yeah. once in a while you get a little encouragement and yeah. some information that might be helpful to you. So help, So
0: be sure to join us next time. Yeah. Not as many jokes and japes in this. We weren't. Episode. Yeah, we weren't like hooty hooty laughing Not- today. <laughs> <laughs> Not hooty hooties. <laughs> no, none of that. So, maybe next time we'll hootie. We were more on the education side of entertainment, psychoeducational. Right, right, right.
1: That's what that was.
0: So, yes, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, next time we will have more chortles and chuckles, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, you can find more of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are Freudian Sips Pod on all of that. Our site is Freudian Sips com Our email is Freudian Sips at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of us directly, if you have ideas for topics, please do email us. We're always is looking for that please remember to leave us a nice rating and review if you can do that wherever you're listening we love to hear that feedback from you guys and our theme music is sweeter vermouth by kevin mcleod and it sounds like this